today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. understand that the promised land that wasn't a model for heaven but it was a model for living the victorious life for you and I as a believer there are still going to be battles there are still going to be struggles but God's promise was to go before them and fight the battles for them and if they remain faithful and if they continue to call upon his name God said I'll fight these battles for you I will give you the victory But you've got to remain, again, faithful to me. Whenever we read about Israel's journey into the Promised Land, we can easily compare it to the life of the Christian. From our bondage of sin to God's deliverance and the trials that test our faith, we can quickly recognize a stark contrast. In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David uses this contrast to encourage us in our daily walk with the Lord. In our study, we are reminded of God's faithfulness and His promise to deliver us from life's challenges when we look at Him and Him alone. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The End of an Era. Trust the world's ways. In other words, he says, don't serve them or, or bow down to them. And then he says, trust wholly and completely. For you and I, we need to trust wholly and completely in the hand of God that's brought us this far. It's not unlike what the Apostle Paul said to the church in Galatia. In, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul tells that church there beginning in verse 1. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you, who's tricked you, who's deceived you, that you shouldn't obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Then he asked them this question, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith? Are you so foolish Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? The reason I bring this up is, again, how many believers look to the things of this world to satisfy them, to direct them, to protect them, to preserve them, to forecast for their future, rather than trusting wholly and completely in the Lord. Looking back and seeing what the Lord has done in my life, looking back and seeing how God has directed our families, looking then forward, Lord, where would you take me from here? Where would you want me to go from here? What is your plan and purpose? Joshua helps them to remember that it was God that brought them this far. He brought them to this place. 
It was God that fulfilled his promises. It was God that defeated the enemy before them. So why in the world would they trust in the gods of these pagan nations or in the world's ways? I mean, again, just thinking of just the flat-out logic, if I can use that word again, the logic of the whole thing, their God, Jehovah, had defeated these other nations. These other nations who had trusted in these gods who had eyes but could not see, had ears but couldn't hear, had hands but, but couldn't feel and feet but couldn't move. They, these other nations trusted in these false gods. And the one true God defeated these. And yet we find in the history of Israel that very quickly they turn to these other pagan gods. That just doesn't make sense. But yet, a lot of times we do the same thing today. It may not be a little God sitting up on a mantle someplace, but it is trusting and looking for the things of the world to satisfy, to direct, to fulfill our lives. Wouldn't that be just the same if we were to say, you know, hey, this little God over here, whatever that God might be. It's the same kind of warning. Joshua warns them that there will be consequences to pay if they reject, deny, or forget the Lord's leading in their lives. Look at verse 11. He says, Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love your God. Take careful heed to yourselves. Paul says we need to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith or not. I think every one of us, you know, we come to times like uh, Thanksgiving. We come to times like New Year's. We're making New Year's resolutions or in Thanksgiving we're thinking of why we're faithful. I think these are great times for us to do an, a, a personal spiritual evaluation. Where am I in the Lord? Is the Lord really exciting in my life? Or am I just kind of floating along and maybe even flatlined at times in my spiritual life? Oh, but I come to church or I come to Wednesday night and I get a, I get a good boost and that keeps me going until about Sunday and then I gotta come back in and get another boost. How is it in your life? How is it in your life? Is there just a, an outward face of the things of Christ or is there a real hope and desire for the things of Christ? Take careful heed to yourselves that you love your God or else if indeed you do go back and you cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and, and you start making marriages with them and you go into them and they to you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. But there'll be snares and there'll be traps to you. There'll be scourges on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. In other words, he's saying if the things of the world start looking more attractive to you, you have been, again, purchased by God. He bought them out of Egypt. For you and I today, we look at it in a New Testament understanding. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. We've been brought into the promises of God. And if the things of the world start becoming more and more attractive to us, and we're losing our love for the Lord our God, then he said suddenly, these things know for certain that no longer will the Lord drive these things from you. You're going to have more and more struggles in your life. You know who the most miserable person is. It's not the lost guy. 
the most miserable individual is the one who is a believer in Jesus Christ, a, a saved individual who's walking in the world because they can't find satisfaction in either one. You know, I've, I've been to uh, evangelism classes in the past, and it says, you know, what you need to do is talk to someone, you know, that's lost and say, hey, you know, your life is miserable and you need the Lord to come into your life. Most lost people say, my life's not miserable. Most of them. Oh, some of them are, definitely. But there's a lot of them say, no, man, I, I enjoy my life. I enjoy, you know, doing just whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I'm not accountable to anything or anyone, and I just go and live my life. Why? Because they don't know the truth. They don't know that they are going to be accountable for those things. By the way, I've said it, it's been a long, long time since I've said it, but in case you don't know, sin is fun, okay? Sin is fun. Otherwise, it wouldn't be so much of a temptation. But it's only fun for a season, There are consequences to it. Sin is fun. It it draws us to it. But the problem is there's great consequences to those things. And so the people of the world, they just don't understand the consequences. But for the believer, he doesn't have the joy of the Lord in his life because he's not walking in the Lord if he's in the things of the world. And the things of the world aren't going to satisfy him the way that they used to. Absolutely miserable. And this is what Joshua is saying. You turn away from your love for the Lord, and you can know for certain the Lord your God is he's, he's no longer to drive these things. You're not going to have victory in your life. You're not going to have the fullness of the promise of God in your life. There's going to be snares. There's going to be traps, man, uh, until the fact that you actually perish from this good land. You might say, oh, well, pastor, does that mean I'm losing my salvation? No, let's go back to what Brian talked about a couple of weeks ago. I don't believe so. If you are truly born again, I believe that, again, because you are bought with the precious blood of Christ, you can be an absolute miserable individual. But I believe that God still holds you. He holds on to you. He's married you. He is. You are his bride. God does not divorce. Divorce was given because of the hardness of the heart of man. My God's heart is not hard. Now, he might take you out. But I believe that he will hold you to the uttermost. But you will be absolutely miserable in this life because you're not walking in the promises. You're not walking in the love. You've walked away from that, and you've literally perished from that land, that good land of the promise that God had given to you. You need to understand that the promised land, that wasn't a model for heaven, but it was a model for living the victorious life for you and I as a believer. There were still going to be battles, there were still going to be struggles, but God's promise was to go before them and fight the battles for them. And if they remain faithful, and if they continue to call upon his name, God said, I'll fight these battles for you. I will give you the victory, but you've got to remain, again, faithful to me. If you start looking, again, for the comfort of these nations, you start marrying into the world, then you're not going to have the victory that I'm able to give you because I'm going to pull my hand of favor from you. Do you have a struggle with with walking in in victory and, and the power of the Lord in your life? Maybe it's time to take that inventory of your life. See how much of the world is actually in you. How much you draw or you're drawn to the things of the world. Where do you allow the influence or the attitudes of this world to direct you? 
just in a real practical sense here. We, we can listen to newscasts of certain news organizations, and our attitudes can be changed so quickly, so quickly. And rather than having the heart and the mind of Christ, we have the heart and mind and the attitude of the things of the world rather than the heart and the mind of Christ. Be careful who you listen to and how much you listen to it. And I'm not saying that all these guys are lying. I'm saying, are you listening to the heart and mind of Christ? Are you being directed by the world or by the Spirit of God? Are you influenced by the Word of God or by the Word of man? Are you going back and clinging to the things of this world? Do you love the things of this world more than you truly love Jesus? You can't live in the land of promise and blessings if you're pursuing the things of this world. Joshua here, he's given his swan song. You know what that is. That's, that's his last declaration. The last message to the people there before he dies. These are, these are important words for the people of Israel to heed. And here in verse 14, he continues on. He says, behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. He says, hey, you know, I'm not here forever. I'm dying. I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know in all of your hearts and in all of your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. He's saying you need to think about this. You need to realize that God has set his promises before you and God has been faithful. He's brought you out of bondage. He's defeated the enemies before you. He's brought you into this promised land. He's done everything that he said he would do. He says... All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. And then in verse 15, Therefore it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, if he's done all that, then listen to this. So the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and you've, you've gone and you've served these other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Be certain God isn't mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. That's just as true for the believer. We say, hey, that's all right. Once saved, always saved. I can go and live any way that I want to. Then, I, Number one, I'm going to start questioning, are you really and truly saved? If you say, hey, I can live any way that I want to, and I'm just saved by the blood of the Lamb, I got, I got my ticket to heaven here, then I really wonder, is the Spirit of God really working in you? Or did you just buy into somebody's plea of quickly saying a prayer and seal the deal and you're done? You see, the child of God, their, their life has changed. They're, they're being led by different things. They're being led by the Spirit of God rather than the things of this world. And again, Joshua is not tooting his own horn. He's not sounding his own praises. He's declaring the faithfulness of God. Faithful in his promises, but he's also faithful in his corrections. And Joshua didn't pull any punches. God had fulfilled his promise to give them the land and to give that land to the children of Abraham. And yet God was also very serious in his commitment to bring judgment on disobedience. He was their father, and he had the right 
both as God as well as their father to bring correction. What does Proverbs 3 verse 11 say? My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. God will bring chastisement on us. God will bring correction, even to the point, as he says, you'll, you'll perish quickly from the good land. Yeah, I think he would and could take you out and make your life totally miserable. You continue to walk away. And again... I like what Joshua said in verse 16. In verse 16, he says to them, when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God. Do you notice that? He didn't say if you transgress. He says when you transgress. Uh, Joshua, again, I, I believe that Joshua, in fact, I know as we read this, Joshua had great faith in God, but he also knew the children of Israel. Remember, he had been in Egypt with them. He had been under slavery with them. He came across the Red Sea with them. He was one of the 12 spies that went in and saw the land. He came back and says, yeah, this is good. We ought to take it. He was there when all the people said, no, no, there's giants in the land. We're not going. So he also had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years with these people. He was the one that, again, was stuck with him. And he was the one then that was to lead them these last 28 years. I think he knew them pretty well. And you don't have to read very far into the next book, the book of Judges, to realize what the attitude and the heart of the people were. In, in Judges chapter 2, turn there if you would, just a few pages to your right. Judges chapter 2. I want you to hear about this next generation of the people of Israel. In Judges chapter 2, down in verse 10, says when, when all that generation, that's the generation of Joshua and all the elders that were there at that point in time, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, they had all passed away, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Now there's a real problem there that we could speak of kind of on the, on the sidebar over here. Whose responsibility was it that they knew the Lord and that they knew the work of the Lord? That previous generation. It is our generation to declare it to the next generation about the Lord and about what he's done in our lives. But Nonetheless, look at what it says there. Verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, the pagan gods. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed the other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and the Asherah. When you transgress. I think Joshua knew the heart of the people. He says, when this happens, God's judgment is going to come. God's judgment is going to be right. God brought these nations of the Gentiles against them until eventually the children of Israel then turned back to the Lord. So they turned away from the Lord. God brought the nations of the Gentiles against them. Now they turned to the Lord, and the book of Judges is full of this cyclical history, cyclical, cyclical, this history that goes in a circle, okay? That again, we, we show, see the whole thing. Uh, man's disobedience, God's chastisement, 
man's confession and repentance, God's deliverance and blessing, then back to man's disobedience again, until again God brings punishment on him. It's interesting through this. Why didn't God just say, I'm done with you, I'm done with you, and go to another nation? Because of the faithfulness of God. Because of the faithfulness of God. God's people will receive the blessings of God, and then pretty soon we say, hey, you know what, I got it from here. Stay with me, God, but I've got it from here. And then pretty soon we're so far from God that we fall into sin. God brings correction, and then we're crying out, oh God, where have you gone? And God says, I've not gone anywhere, but you've wandered all over the map. Now you're coming back to me. And so he brings, again, forgiveness, restoration, and again, restores, brings blessing. And we run for a while, and okay, God, I've got it here. I'm, I'm doing good. And the cycle of man continues on. Now, now, as we get into chapter 24 real quick, there seems to be some uncertainty about as to whether this was the, the same time frame as the speech in chapter 23 or if it happened sometime after that. For me, I, I think it all kind of fits together. Again, we here in chapter 24, though, we find some particular details, not only of who he's speaking to, but of where he's speaking. Look in verse 1 of chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for the heads and for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. Now, Shechem seems to be a pretty natural place for this conversation to to take place. And, And it's also a good place for Israel to make a commitment to the Lord. Back in Genesis 12, this was the very place that God had promised Abraham that that he would give all of this land to his descendants. Later on in Genesis chapter 33, Jacob, after he had met with his brother Esau, and he, and Esau didn't kill him, uh, he blessed the Lord and he built an altar to the Lord there in Shechem. And then from that point, too, is when the children of Israel had reaffirmed their commitment to the Lord under Joshua's leadership. Remember, earlier on in the book of Joshua, they had them, some get on Mount uh, Ebal and the other half on Mount Gerizim, and Shechem was right in the middle there. God has used this place multiple times to make uh, make it a place of commitment. It was an important place and an important part of Israel's history. And so as Joshua gathers these leaders together, he gives them a bit of a history lesson. And we all need to have these times of remembrances, remembrance of, again, God's blessing, God's forgiveness, even in the midst of our failures. Uh, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to remember my failures. I, I just put those behind me and I keep up. No, I think we need to remember them. I think it's a healthy thing to remember. Well, I remember where I really got off track and I just totally blew it. And I, I got myself in such a mess back then. I don't ever want to go that way again. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you walk one way and you know there's a big hole there, you don't walk that way again, right? You steer clear of that. So, hey, but at the same time, we don't we don't commiserate about the fact that, oh, man, 30 years ago I fell. I'm such a mess. No, 30 years ago you fell, God restored you, then move on. But remember how and why you fell, okay, and move forward with that.
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word. Make us more.